We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow coming to you on Christmas Day night, I guess, if that's, that's the best <laughs> way to phrase it. Um, we're about 20 minutes after the Mavericks fell to the Los Angeles Lakers, 138 to 115. Um, if, I don't even know what to say. Josh, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't feel... I'm actually not as mad uh, about this game as I was about the Suns game because I think the Suns game had that really specific thing that made me mad with uh, Brunson getting cooked on that really that clutch possession. Yeah, uh, and that like that was like enough to like focus my anger. But this was just such a big drubbing that I'm just kind of like, oh man, like what? Like I don't even know where to start, and it, th- that almost defeats me <laughs> in a weird well, way. I think we know where to start because yeah, I left I this out of my recap on purpose because I wanted uh, Ryan Mainville to write about this in the article he's doing as a follow-up, but the Mavericks got crushed on the boards. They mm-hmm. had 27 total rebounds to the Lakers 53. <laughs> um, not only that, that's not even the stat that's wild. The Lakers had 35 second chance points to the Mavericks zero. And as of now, it's you know uh, about 10 o'clock Midwest time at the moment. Um, that may not have happened in the advanced stats era. So since like 1998, that has never happened. Um, and so it sort of starts and ends in there with rebounding. And apparently, you know, Luca and all the players, oh, we're talking about, we got to do X and Y, Z better. We just, we got to do, we got to rebound. We got to box out. I mean, the bottom line is what they have to do is care. And there was a whole lot of not caring, uh, on rebounds. And it was, it was almost like a disease, uh, there was a really crazy possession. I hate that sideline cam that ABC and ESPN use, but it was it really showed what wasn't happening for the Mavericks in the th- a few times where shots would go up for the Lakers and the Mavericks wouldn't put a body on anybody, nor would they jump. Like you just have like, there's a couple of things you can do on rebounding. Rebounding's hard. 
it's a, it's a it's a scrum, and none of the Mavericks were caring, at least from my vantage point. What did you think? No, yeah, you're right, and I think this goes back to last season. A trend, a really disheartening trend, is that when things aren't going their way for the Mavericks offensively, they really, really, really let that seep into the other aspects of their game. Um, like when the Mavericks are, I mean, I mean, this is natural for just about any team. You know, when things are going good and shots are falling and you feel good, you know, you are a little bit more energized to grab a rebound, get on the floor, uh, make that ro- rotation uh, with a little more umph. And, you know, when shots aren't falling and you're missing and you're missing shots and, and you're turning the ball over, you're, you know, you're, you're discouraged and that's going to lead to the other end. I mean, that happens to a lot of teams. But I feel like the Mavericks, it affects this Mavericks team significantly more than most teams I've watched in the past. And, you know, they once again didn't really get off to a – it was a better start than the Suns game, but still not a great start. Uh, and, you know, Luka did, had a better start, but again, not a great – you know, not not the preferred start. And I feel like it just snowballs. Like when things go oh, yeah. bad for this team, they don't seem to have a way to dig themselves out of it most of the time. And they just kind of let it snowball on them and it gets away from them. And then it, and it looks bad sometimes. Well, the Lakers are, are also the kind of team, the way they're built with length and athleticism at nearly every, I mean, at every position now that they, yes. now that they have, have Dennis, it's, they're built to stymie the Mavericks and you could see that in all sorts of different small points in the Mavericks offense. Luke is obviously very good at passing out to corners and he still had a pretty good passing game, but he, the Lakers length forces him to place passes outside of, of Jeff Van Gunning kept calling it the pocket. I think basically so, so shooters can catch where instead of a guy being, you know, deep in the corner, ready to catch and fire from three, they're having to slide up to the crease there. In, mm-hmm. in order to catch the pass cleanly. And that's not where they want to catch the pass. That's what a good defense does. So when you, you, you know, you factor in the Lakers really excellent defense with the Mavericks, not hitting shots at the rate that they needed to, to keep pace. And it just, it, it just kind of snowballed. There were all these moments in the game where I just kept, you know, I, I, I take copious notes. I never use them, but I, I it's just for my, like my own headspace when I'm doing a read recap. And I, I have like four different points in the first three quarters where it's just like, geez, the map, I write the Mavericks cannot come back from this, that uh, three pointer to end the half with Kuzma. After the after Luca had just made a really nice play to score with you know no, very little time left, yeah, backbreaker. Uh, it's just a backbreaker, and you know there are 50-50 balls all over the floor where the Mavericks didn't win any of them, and almost all of them are predicated from that the the, the lack of rebounding. But there were just there were little things that that where the game got away from them. You know there was a missed goaltend. There was like there's just a couple of things where the Mavericks just looked out of sorts. And they never, you know, they just don't have the talent right now to come back from that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the rebounding was was really bad, but dude, the Lakers shot fifty six percent from the floor and nineteen of thirty nine from three. I mean, so, that's uh, what killed them. Yeah, I, I do feel like at least the, I do feel like at least six of those threes came off of second chance points, though. Like a lot, just like wide open catch and shoot where it's scramble mm-hmm. situations, and it's just. Oh, yeah. And that sort of stuff is killer. And obviously, I mean, it all interplays, but I'm trying to figure out what's the harder thing. You know, what's really the cause? I mean, the cause has to be the the, the offensive rebound and the second chance points. But, you know, it, 
the Laker, the Mavericks were kind of in this for chunks of time. It felt like if if they would get one or two bounces to go, if they could cut the the lead to like nine, which they did midway in the fourth, and then the Lakers just shut the door on them. Um, it's pretty yeah. brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think you talked about like all those opportunities for them to get back in the game and and make a run of it, and then something always seemed to come up. It's like, man, if they <laughs> if they just didn't get historically destroyed in second chance points i mean not only is it a game i mean do they like if it's just a normal normal night for second chance points maybe they win i mean they didn't lose by like 40 they, it's it's crazy how much that really like that's the stat uh that's it's crazy how much that just that just goes into the rest of the game um and yeah the lakers are tough and i think what's particularly tough about the lakers is that they're not their bigness and their length is not traditional in the way that you see it and you go, okay, well, we just need more big guys on the floor. Like, let's just throw in another center. Or let's play two bigs. Let's do like, it, it's not that because the Lakers are big everywhere. You know, they all their guards are big and long. Their forwards are big and long. Uh, you know, they play Marcus Saul, but he only played 20 minutes outside of that. They didn't really, you know, they don't play a traditional five five uh, guy at the five you know it's anthony davids and lebron as your front court and they are huge not just tall in length but strength they are just large humans and that's not they're not the type of large humans where you go okay we just need another cent you know like another center doesn't necessarily like it helps it'll probably help a little bit to have a little bit more beef out there but the lakers are just so uniquely built that I don't even know if the Mavericks having a traditional center out there, you know, another traditional good rebounding center would have made too much of a difference because the Lakers are just, they're not just big, they're quick. Um, and they're big across the lineup. Like, you know, I don't, didn't, I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the box score. I mean, Kyle Kuzma had six rebounds. Uh, Harrell and Morris had 14 combined. Harrell is six, nine. Uh, yeah. Markeith Morris is like six nine, six ten. These aren't. It's not like they got killed by, by like a Shaq type, you know, effort or an Andre Drummond type effort. Uh, it was the Lakers. Just I don't know. It, it goes back to the effort, and I just think I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Mavs fans that watch this game and think, oh, this is the game. This is why they need another big center. And honestly, I don't even know. Like that probably helps, but the Lakers are just so unique. I, sure. I don't know because of Anthony. Anthony Davis just creates a lot of problems. He does. Like he does. He hit up like a backbreaking corner three. Like dudes aren't like there's just nobody like that in the in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> they can crazy. do the kind of things that he does. The ability, I, I, his way, he's he's so much comfortable with his jumper now. It's scary yeah. compared to where he was like two or three years ago. It's oh scary. yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I will say that it it goes. Every single Mavericks big man got exposed tonight yes, yes. in a real big way. Uh, our fan base and us to an extent really wanted to give like Willie Cauley Stein a shot. Um, he was useless and out of position and showed why he doesn't get more minutes despite being so athletically gifted. Uh, he got worked at every spot. He also wasn't alone there. But yep. it, it's it's just kind of incredible. You know, you, you, a guy probably wants an opportunity, goes in there, and then he just gets shown up. Um, timing you know, is it, it, difficult on pick and rolls. He didn't look good at any of that either. Not really sure what to do with him. Um, Powell is flat out unplayable, though. And, and 
I don't understand how the Mavericks keep going back to that well. He is like playing four on five on offense now. And that's that's tragic. He, you know, some of what he was doing with Marcus Ohl, where he was doing the like, like whatever swing through like ball fake that is. I, I just, I don't know what to call it. I don't like the, the Powell discourse, but he's also just not been good. And, you know, watching him get destroyed for now five games in a row is really, I'm not sure what they're seeing other than the coaching staff has to think we can't put, you know, Maxi on the floor to start with because then if we roll with Powell as a second unit center, he's going to get crushed there too. I mean, that's all I could really think of. I'm, I'm not, do you have any ideas what could, what could be what they're seeing with, with, with Powell other than like, the fact that he does set good screens and knows the offense. Yeah, I mean it's it's what he gave them last season, and that's what they're hoping for. And it's it's the fact that he's technically a cleaner fit with the starters offensively. Because I mean, if if he's what he was pre-injury, because he's a screener and he and he can and he dives to the rim. And as we've seen with Maxi, when he gets a lot of minutes, uh, I think he loses some of his effectiveness when he plays like starter level minutes, as we saw a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, but also I think they're in a lose, uh, to be honest, I think they're just in a lose, lose situation. Um, I don't think if Dwight Powell was not playing this game and your only bigs were Maxi Boban and, uh, Willie Collie Stein, I don't think this game is different. Uh, I don't think it goes any different. Uh, it might save some of us headaches from seeing some poor Powell plays on defense or, or on the, on the boards, but I, yeah. I just don't think there's a there's a right answer here until KP gets back, and yeah. you know we can go back and relitigate off seasons and what the Mavericks should have done, but that's, I mean that's just shouting into the wind, right? Uh, and maybe the Mavericks will take a look at it because uh, it's staring them in the face these two games, and this is coming from someone that really likes Pal and, and sees him as a productive player when he is 100 percent right. You know maybe post Achilles Pal, we we don't know. It's been two games, so. Uh, we don't really know what kind of player he's going to end up being after this injury, but uh, yeah, it's definitely not great right now. And like I said, after the Phoenix game, when Luca is not right, like when Luca's not right and Powell's not right, uh, that's not great for for Powell or you know, like they're not helping each other out right now, is what I'm right. saying. Uh, right, and it, either, it, it, either way, the trickle down effect was kind of wild because we saw a lot of creator Josh Richardson, and like the stat line's fine, you know, 17 points. Two rebounds, two assists, two steals. Um, he got to the line a couple of times. He played really, you know, kind of heck like Fretnik defense, which is, you know, what he was there for, which, you know, gave the Mavericks a little bit of a chance at times. Um, but, you know, you look at the other starters and the other guards in the Maverick offense, and everyone is sort of like broken. Like uh, Tim Hardaway looks terrible. I mean, honestly, that might, besides the rebounds, that's the story for me for this game. I mean, I get that he has confidence, but there was that one play, and I, there's just like my timeline was flooded with it, where he waved off Luca for like a kick out, drove the lane, and threw up an awful layup attempt, then somehow got like, got a kick out back from, I think it was either Maxi, like an offensive rebound, finally for a corner three from Tim, which he then like, you know, bricked. And he was, he's a, he's just too important to the Mavericks offense to be this poor. 
I noticed that Carlisle had him involved in the second unit a little bit, and he was, you know, the only reason that second unit in the second quarter didn't get torched was he hit some some kind of really tough jumpers. But I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't want to say like something's wrong with him because, but he just hasn't looked right through five games, uh, as far as I could tell. What do you think? He's seven of twenty-two from the floor uh, through two games. He is four of thirteen from three. He's gotten to the free throw line a total of eight times uh, in He's two games. He has missed. He has missed half of them. Uh, and that's the thing. Like uh, he's not a guy. He doesn't get to the line. He doesn't. He's not a playmaker. He is not a above average defender. He is not an above average rebounder for his position. Mm-hmm. His value to the Mavericks last season was making shots. Uh, yeah, and he, he, and he did. He made a lot. Yeah, and he did. Yeah, and he was fantastic there. I mean, he could come out Sunday against the Clippers and go nine for ten from the floor, and I'm not going to be surprised. He's that kind of player. But it just yeah. the the it's got to happen though. Well, and and these three, you know, we probably should have done a preview podcast, but I didn't really want to be a negative Nancy. You, know, you look at the schedule, and everybody was, you know there's a little whispers talking to people where it's like, oh, the Mavericks could start on three. They have a tough schedule to start. And nobody really wanted to say that because everyone believes in Luca. But right now this is just sort of a a culmination of really frustrating things altogether. And I'm sure a lot of people expected me to come into this one hot. And I'm just not, I'm disappointed is what I am. And I, I don't know what the quick fix is. I have seen some things that I, I would like to see more of. I, I would like, I really would like to see James Johnson run the second unit for spurts because Brunson and Burke are not getting it done. That much is simple. Um, Burke has been hit or miss. He had some shots tonight, which was nice, but he, he just kind of looks like an undersized shooting guard. And for anybody that read my recap or follows me online, like I, it's, Yes, I kind of have it in for Brunson, but I have it in for Brunson because he's been bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. the Mavs themselves, you know, Dwayne Price wrote this piece about uh, Brunson about how he, you know, had a great game against the, the the Suns. No, he didn't. He had a great four-minute stretch after playing terrible the whole game. And shot making can really save a lot, but he looks off kilter in a way that I don't know how to describe it's not like I think he's this bad at basketball. I think his decision-making is a little rash sometimes. He's a confidence guy, but he had three turnover. Yeah, he's listed as having three turnovers. I think he had like five. There's just some some things going on with his playmaking. There was a – I don't remember at what point in the game it was. It had to have been in the first half where they get like a four-on-two, and he shoots a pull-up in the middle of the free-throw lane or uh, the middle of the paint that just clangs off the back of the rim when there's a guy he could have kicked it to on the fast break and then two dudes at the corners. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He likes to do that. <laughs> that's 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 not oh. an aberration for him. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's just it, it, it's it's like a it, it's like a, you know, a five point swing when that sort of stuff happens. Like long rebounds are killer. But yeah, I, the, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really down on their guards. and I, I want Johnson to have the ball more. Yeah, uh, the weird thing with Brunson, so he, you know, these are the first two regular season games he's played since he had sh- shoulder surgery. And I had a, a user on Twitter, you know, message me and was like, 
you know, remember how off Paul George looked? Like, you know, it, it took Paul George forever, seemingly, to to get back to him himself with you know how long was he was dealing with shoulder issues and a shoulder well, okay. surgery. So, like, okay. I mean, there's precedence there. There's precedent there for that and that type of injury to mess up a guy, and it takes a little bit longer than maybe you think, even though they're back to practicing and back to playing games. Uh, but the one thing I would counter to that is, you know. How much does that seep into his decision making? Because his decision making has plummeted. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his first and second year, you know, he wasn't necessarily a playmaker, but he was also pretty safe. You know, like safe yes. with the ball, very safe. Um, he's throwing Dennis Smith. Yeah, he's thrown some passes these last two games that I'm like, man. Even if you have one arm, you wouldn't be like. I don't think you should be throwing these passes. Uh, he's really trying to force these backdoor. Like he's really trying to dribble uh, from the wing toward the baseline and try to, the guy, and then the guy he's dribbling toward the baseline, and then the guy that's in the corner then tries to cut to the basket as Brunson mm-hmm. is dribbling that direction. And Brunson's tried so hard to hit that cutter uh, on a backdoor pass for a layup, and it's never it's never there. Like there's a defender. I'm not sure if it's not there. I don't think he has the passing chops. That man throws more passes at people's feet than I, than I can remember for a guard who is supposed to be a playmaker. It's very peculiar. And at one point tonight had a lineup of Hardaway, Brunson, Burke, Johnson, and Maxi and Johnson and Maxi just aren't going to see the ball. If, if that's the case, because those other three dudes are just chuckers and that, that is what it is. But if the other, if three of those guys are chuckers, at least have Johnson do some initiation. I mean, he had four assists tonight and was the second leading assist man on the team. He was, oh. he had a, he had a really slick one. Uh, what was it, like a kind of dribble handoff between the legs of Hardaway for three. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that one? That was cool. It was cool. Um, Kirk, the, the Brunson Burke thing is interesting because I don't think I've seen Carlisle abandon a rotation as quickly as he did uh, tonight. I mean, yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but in the opener against the uh, the Suns, I mean, it was Burke and Brunson pretty much played together majority of the game. And to start the game tonight, Burke came off the bench and Brunson did not. And they did not play together till a little bit deeper into the first half and then a little deeper into the second half. Uh, and, I mean, we know Carlisle does not – he is not trigger-happy with rotation changes like that all the time. So I thought that was interesting. And the one thing that they're going to have to figure out with Brunson and Burke, and this isn't a knock on either of the players. I don't want to make this like one is bad, one is good, or whatever. Right. But they are just so similar Yes. that when they're both on the floor – like what are you gaining when you have both of them on the floor when they are both basically the same player in terms of you know what the output of production is going to be? And when one of those guys is, if one of if they're both on the floor, that means you're taking minutes away from a Josh Green, or a Wesley Wundu, or someone else. Uh, and I'm not saying that those guys are going to be better, but at least it, it would be like a different look, you know. Like if yeah. you have Brunson and Burke on the floor at the same time, and they're both kind of bogarting each other's production, and you're not getting anything from both of them being on the floor. Like Burke looked tremendous uh, without Brunson on the floor, and I'm pretty sure Brunson had his big fourth quarter without Burke on the floor. Yeah. Um, so those minutes when they're together, you know, if that's the case, and they're both on the roster, like they got to figure something out. Either they can't play together, or you know, like I think I was talking to someone on Twitter, like this would have been a great 
game for them to just throw Josh Green in there, see if they he could kick someone in the ass, like just metaphor, like metaphorically, like they really needed like a pickup. Uh, and they didn't really have anyone do that come off the bench. Uh, so yeah, like they got to watch this Brunson Burke thing. Cause uh, I don't know if it's sustainable uh, them two playing together and they're both like highly regarded by Rick and the rotation well, and they're, and they're, can and I make they're, a joke? So. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's the most Rick Carlisle thing ever after having an off season where you sign six, five to six, nine guys to play two six foot one dudes at the same time. It, it is. You can't never take it away from him. It's just, but part of it. One of the things that I hear from and and messages from people is that Rick needs to have certain things taken away from him, and it's just never more true on a game where you watch them get the crap kicked out of them because he's just like, well, you know what? I'm going to double down on the short people. It's not that they're bad. Obviously, these guys have value. Both of them do. I'm just not sure what's happening that's making it this you know, clear that they should play like this. I mean, then they, maybe they won't. It's early in the season. It's game two. Yeah. And then what makes it worse is Hardaway has been horrible. So they kind of have like, even like, let's say Rick doesn't want to play them. He kind of has like, <laughs> you can't have Hardaway out there playing 30 minutes. You know, he's playing 30 minutes a night, giving you 30% shooting from the floor. Like, of course, Rick's going to try something out. Like, you know, so like, that was kind of the point I made after the Suns game is that, you know, the whole point of what the Mavericks did in the offseason was that they could finish games with four bigger perimeter players. Well, that doesn't happen if Hardaway plays so poorly that he plays himself out of the closing lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. So they got that's got to get figured out, too. Uh, they yeah. really need they really need Hardaway to have a good game soon. Yeah. I mean, they got another chance. The Clippers mm-hmm. are. I don't know. Clippers are playing right now. I suppose one advantage they have over the Clippers is they're going to get like three hours more rest than the Clippers. And it's a Sunday afternoon game, I think. Um, should be right. I don't know. All this, like, I was mainly just like trying to get to Christmas. And now that Christmas is here, I'm not really sure what's yeah, next. Yeah, they're Sunday afternoon, Sunday to uh, Texas time. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a ton, ton more to add on this because it's very, it's just feeling a little weird. I, I trust that things will get figured out. Lucas too good. You know, I've already, I'm checking, you know, feedback to my, to my recap and feedback online. It's like, people are saying I'm being too hard on Luca, which is, you know, that'll be a first because I tend to, you know, make excuses for his game, but Luca finished the game well, but he started he poorly again. He had more energy and he looked better, but his disposition he, was better to start. Yes. Yeah. His, his, his give a shit you know, was better. (laughs) And, but you know, he still finished three for 10 in the first half. He only took, I think one, three, which means that he missed a bunch of two point shots, which is just not how Luca plays. I remember one right-handed layup from the right side where he short armed it and it went off the back of the rim and rolled out. And that's just not like Luca. And part of me, a big part of me thinks that's conditioning, knowing how he plays. In the second half, he played. He he made some incredible shots. I think we're gonna have to talk about his post up uh, stuff. But it, it, I don't know. It was it just not enough early. You know, Luca getting started. The Mav- second straight game, the Mavs have been down at the half. That's not you know normal for them. Yeah, um, there's just little things they can figure it, out. But I guess you know. a good way to sum up these two games is that it is not ideal uh, after two games for your best player over the course of those two games to be Dorian Finney-Smith. 
So well, and even he, you know, he he hit two threes and then didn't really do much the rest of the game. He didn't have any I know. Games. I think that further emphasizes <laughs> further emphasis on my point. Oof. All yeah. right. Well, we could They'll probably okay. ramble. Do you have anything else you want to get out there? Uh no, I I think I I think they'll be I think they'll be okay, and uh, at the very least, it just goes to show. Uh, Christoph Przingis is. I, I know we didn't think this, but if anyone thought he wasn't important to this thing, Christoph's, uh no. he very much is. Did uh, Did you have a nice Christmas? Get anything cool? I did have a nice. I got Kirk. You would like this. I need to put this in our Slack. I got some really cool shoes. Uh, I got some cool Nikes. Uh, I don't know what they are called. You You will tell me, but they're orange and they are cool. Um, And then, yeah, that was kind of like the highlight and then like a bunch of other little cool stuff. But yeah, it was a good Christmas. Yeah. My, my wife, uh, my wife surprised me with some great pulls she she said that I'm easy to shop for because I like retweet and share things that I think are like cool. Then she just buys them for me and holds on to them for months. So <laughs> like she got me some, you know, she got me a, like a couple of really cool nav shirts. I got like oh, the yeah, those are one. And then I she also got me this uh, this Bo Jackson shirt, which she just liked because I was born in Kansas City, um, and it's pretty awesome. And then you know my my son is finally he's four and a half and so he's finally at the point where he like like the toys that he wants to play with don't drive me nuts because they're not like just loud but I, he got the dumbest uh uh like you know toy car thing it's the biggest yes. like parking garage thing it's insane and it is so loud and i just and we just played with that all afternoon so you know i had a really nice time right up until this game so i think if i had kind of a crappy christmas i probably would have come in here more pissy but it was a, <laughs> it was a nice it was a nice game or a, you know nice day and and you know we'll get through this i'm not in this dire mavs point they're you know they if they play 500 ball the whole year and they you know then that'll happen but a lot of things are fixed just by by you know shot making luca being in shape and maybe porzingis playing you know 50 games who knows yes yes so. agreed okay well this has been us we're gonna be back probably sunday evening as well um our man is talk is doing um the recap uh, from slovenia because he has uh it, it's uh, games on in the afternoon i think 1 30 uh, central time so uh you know it's, it'll be nice to kind of get the game out of the way but this is just kind of the way the season is gonna go guys you're gonna hear from josh and i like every other day for the next six months uh that should be really exciting yeah. uh this has been uh, kirk henderson and josh bow um i am sorry for being so grumpy last time and i'll try to do better uh <laughs> in our christmas day edition everyone have a uh, good start to your weekend Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.